the subject for the evening <coughs> talk is making the connection. Whenever we come into a situation in life <coughs> in which there is a departure from where we were coming from, we might say that in the new situation there is a certain familiarity. We have been in the past exposed to the particular place, particular situation. We've had certain experiences, we've learnt certain things and as a result of this familiarity we carry easily and frequently certain expectations. When we come back to something which we have experienced some time before. And we notice this frequently in our life and with our mind that as a result of various experiences in the past, certain images and ideas are formed which take a certain hold on our consciousness. And we carry this package of the memory of the past into the present situation and there is some expectation with this carrying that the present in some way or other will fit in to what has gone before. At times, when it doesn't, it brings us pain, but also at times, in carrying these expectations and finding out <coughs> that it's different, it can bring us pleasure, satisfaction. But in either case, whether it's bringing us some pain or pleasure, there is the influence there of the mind and its experiences from the past, helping to shape and influence the way that we're looking at the present. Sometimes we experience moving into a, a situation which has no real reference point with regard to the past. We possibly come into this uh, meditation center. We've never been in one before. We don't really have any clear formulation in the mind of what to anticipate. So all that we can actually go upon with regard to our past is either what we have heard or sensed or read and some of those things which we have heard or read or have been told have made some residue of impression and this residue as well we carry into the situation. In either case, whether the past is coming out of familiarity 
is coming out of a non-familiarity with the past, in either case, in entering into the present, very easily the old surfaces. The expectations, the presumptions, the images, the thoughts, what one has heard and read, surfaces into the present. And it seems very easily that either, as I mentioned, it's either painful, difficult, or it's satisfying, it's pleasurable, or it's confusing. So experience in the present, painful, pleasurable, or confusing, has a clear, may not be conscious, clear relationship of what you and I are carrying into the situation. And thus we might ask ourselves, today, a very ordinary day, getting up, sitting, walking, eating, communicating, what have we observed inside of ourselves today, which we have been carrying into this situation. How much for us is it such that yesterday or yesteryear has been a mode for interpreting the present? Has been the reference point the dead, the past, what's gone by. And so sometimes you and I in our life experience, <coughs> we find ourselves at times feeling to be quite out of touch with. That being out of touch with may be with regard to the present, not being connected with the present as it's revealing itself and showing itself, and that present may be of others, <coughs> or what's around, or the present of ourselves. And we might say that this being out of touch with is Another way of saying that the past and the memory and the pattern is overshadowing what's here. Perhaps when we experience that in, with some frequency in our life, this shadow of the old, it seems that our life then moves fairly incessantly between the field of pleasure, the field of pain, and the field of confusion. And something other, which is not of that, 
becomes inaccessible or rare. Today, in our two-hour period uh, from uh, 9.45 to 11.45 uh, this morning, there was, and as is now, simple reality taking place of human existence. There are events, if we make a division, and it's only a conceptual division, it doesn't exist in reality, of a division of others, or the outer, and the inner. What's happening inside of ourself, so to speak? What's happening outside of ourself, so to speak? And in this interaction, we possibly notice some of the responses or reactions which took place. And we may see that in the interaction which takes place, some of what we heard affected us in a particular way. And if we take an example, or one or two uh, um, examples, <coughs> of course I shan't mention any names, and unfortunately I don't mo know so many at the moment, but um, one just takes an example. Sometimes in our listening, <coughs> we may have heard something which was a comment or a question or a statement, and we felt that what was said was possibly um, abstract, intellectual, or vague, or confusing, or whatever. And we may say that it seems at times when we say something in life to each other, it's as though there can be, say, an impulse to say something, and it comes off the top of our head. And it's rather thrown in to the circus, the arena of the words. And we, we, we do this, and there's a real place for all of this, and we notice this occurring. When this occurs, at times, we experience in ourselves as a listener some kind of reaction to it because it seems like it's, say, second-hand, it's memorised, it's... Uh, just off the top of the head, or whatever it may be. And in that moment, when we hear that, we experience some reaction, understandable reaction, and there is a feeling of distance, very important this, distance between oneself and the other. In which that person's 
comment or statement may appear to be shallow, appear, may appear to be superficial, maybe appear to be just a one-liner or something unthought or unfelt through. And we react to this, we react to this. And in that time, we don't actually experience, say, a connection with that person. Because of the form of the language, or the tone, or the lack of tone, or whatever, of what's been put out into the arena of life. In the very communication, the very outflow from that person or from our, ourself, if we take a hold of what that person has said and identify that person as being what he or she has said, we've got our image of that person and my God, we'll carry that image of that person right through this retreat. We'll have that person fixed by six words, one word, a paragraph. We'll have an idea, this is who this person is because of what emerged in a moment or two. And when we have really taken a hold and identified and clung to and adopted the consciousness cannot do much else through its identification with but extend and expand its interpretation into a generalization. Despite the diversity of people and types and background and histories and where we are at, the mode of the mind is it takes a particular or it puts two or three together and then it's, it paints all with the same brush. Look what we've done to our planet. Look at it. Look how we regard people, groups, countries, nations. The whole world is in this room. The whole planet is here. And at other times in our listening, in our experiencing what is occurring, another person appears to communicate to us from another place. We call it a deeper place, a feeling place, a heart place, an angry place or whatever. But there's a strong feeling component to it. And you see, well, this, isn't, this isn't heady, this isn't, this isn't just an abstraction. You know, th this is coming from deep down inside of somebody. We may not particularly like what we hear, or we may really appreciate what we hear, and we sense, well, this is, <coughs> so to speak, genuine. Because it's coming from somewhere else inside. And we can hear what she or he is, is saying. We don't dismiss it because of that which is 
in the heart, in, in the being somewhere. And it is becoming, and I think rather perhaps appropriately and understandably, you know, such that more and more human beings want to feel a deeper connection. We become more suspicious of theories and ideologies and um, intellectualizations, etc., etc. We, we, we see that that's really an abstraction from real life. And so what happens for us, of course, is that when it's vague or abstract or whatever, we feel disconnected. We don't feel connected with, possibly. And when it's, as it were, from another place, sort of feeling component or a personal experience factor or whatever, we feel connected. Or sometimes we feel connected because we can directly relate to what that person is talking about. I wonder if that's what connection is all about. I wonder whether or not that's rather a simple way of looking at life and, and being connected. Because if we look in that way and, and interpret in that way, the way of relating to life is going to be, I am connected when I feel connected. And I'm not connected when I don't feel connected. And we're going to pin everything on <coughs> the feeling which we experience when we hear or when we see, and it's going to center on the um, changeability of a particular feeling. And, though, and we've um, know, of course, that in the world that we live in, that we become hopefully a little more aware, shall we say, with regard to materialism and all of its forms. We know too there has been spiritual materialism, a term uh, coined, uh, I think, by uh, Trumpa, who um, Sadly, he died a few days ago and has made a substantial contribution over the years to meditation and to insight and self-knowledge through Vajrayana form of uh, Buddhism. And there's also materialism, which one might refer to one has to go tread carefully in this, of course, which one might call emotional materialism, in which 
that, like other forms of materialism, spiritual and uh, material and intellectual, can be such that it gains an, an exaggerated place. It becomes the measurement of all things is determined by if we feel. And certainly, genuine religious life, certainly the considerable insights of psychotherapy, certainly a caring and sensitive person must, through countless situations, feel life. Because we know the result of not feeling life, what it does to ourselves and what it does to our planet. But, if we use this as the only measure for being connected, <coughs> then pain and conflict can easily ensue. <coughs> so I wonder what kind of responses we have been experiencing today and just sitting rather, rather informally together. Sometimes a person comes and in sitting here with the certain expectations which are brought into the situation, and person says, says to us, or says in the group, I've come, I've arrived here, and I've been here one or two days, and I'm feeling very confused. My response to that is, fantastic. Fantastic. Because in some way or other, the past isn't an appropriate device, mental device, to measure the present. That one is here, sitting here, walking here, eating here, and the mind is coming up, what am I doing here? It can run through the mind more successfully than any TM mantra that one has been trying for the last 20 years. <laughs> Not 20 minutes a day, but 24 hours in the day. What am I doing here? And it's an unpleasant feeling to keep running through. And we want somebody to tell us. We want somebody to give us an assurance that being here it's got nothing to do with the ceiling and these, these walls, 
was, it's irrelevant. We want somebody to say to us, well, you're here because, 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 because. Something which will make us feel better. Ah, I've got a good reason to be here. Have it explained, and having it explained to us make us feel, ah, a bit more comfortable about being here. Here is everywhere, you know, not just talking about IMS or anything. And so when we're feeling somewhat confused, which is a difficult state to be in, and we want an answer from somewhere, inside or outside, we don't care, we're so confused. And generally the answer for us, I think socially, psychologically, education and all those other distractions, is to get us to do something. Doesn't matter what it is. So then actually being busy and doing something, aha, now I've got a reason for being here. And so spirituality becomes an endless distraction. Do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. Countless things which we can do to make us feel comfortable about ourselves, about each other, about life. Sometimes with that, we come into the situation, and there's one, one or two people, if not more, commented, one comes to a center like this for what one might describe as a, a samadhi fix. <laughs> this means one is so busy in one's everyday life, that there's not much time to be here, wherever the here is. And so one comes here for a fix. And then having got the fix, samadhi means concentration or in this use or a um, um, little bit of focus on the on the breathing, a little bit of quietude, whatever, however we describe it. One comes here for the fix. And then goes outside, and for X amount of time, one person said, usually for that person, three or four months, which seems to me to be a considerable achievement, 
has some traces of this samadhi fix. Then it begins to um, wear off. Sounds like junk, doesn't it? And, and it's wearing off, one has to now return for the, for the fix to get one through the rest of the daily life nightmare. Only to find, in a different, slightly different situation, that people are spending, whatever it is, a couple of hours a day, twice a day or whatever, sitting together, and some of them are refusing to keep their mouth shut in the group. And one isn't getting one's fix, because others are having a number of words which they wish to say. And then it seems too much like daily life. It is daily life. This is it. One totally forgets that there are 20 hours a day when one can, the only time that one might open one's mouth is to sink one's teeth into the rice or something. But one forgets that the daily life is one of a movement between communication with others and not communicating with others. This is it. The world is here, it's here. So one might say, we don't have to make the connection. But perhaps rather we can say the connection with life and with each other is already made. It doesn't depend on agreement and disagreement. It doesn't depend on verbal associations. It doesn't depend on whether the feeling of being connected is present or not. The connection is here. And the presence and an absence of a feeling cannot destroy the connection. It is indestructible. And we forget. We forget we're all in this together.
ذنبي in being aware of our situation of the total situation not just of me and what I am and who I am and where am I going and what am I doing with my life etc etc but we're the total situation we might say if we're just purely concerned here with how we respond and react and relate to each other we might say well that's what important and valuable as it is that what group therapy is it's about how people interchange and interact with each other let's say an aspect of group therapy but there and there's a certain appropriateness there and importance there and we may say that's one level but there's another level to use such a concept such a divisive concept which is not in the field of the language of the words it's not in the field of the reaction the conditioned responses to how you feel or think about what you have just been listening to not in the field of the movement of mind in the way that it, it's occurring as valuable and as significant as it is and so one level all of that is taking place within the group but there's another I don't like this concept very much another level another dimension uh, um, another depth which embraces all of that which we might possibly conceptualize as silence as <coughs> expansiveness as stillness as spaciousness as indeterminate and perhaps it's there that we can really speak of connectedness so then we might ask ourselves in the interchange of language in the interchange of words which takes place between us and the kind of responses and reactions which we all have in that participation is it really saying anything about anything or is it simply so many words usefully or not usefully expressed from different places inside of ourselves but language talking about language sharing about language communicating about language
These are just particular ways coming out of our heart, out of our mind, of looking at things. But not really saying anything about that which is not of language. And then we might ask ourselves, does the interchange and all that's in the interchange actually hide or obscure or block anything? Perhaps therein, there's an extraordinary freedom in which things are heard, things are spoken, things are felt, are not felt. Basically, that's what's happening. And it doesn't intrude in any way on something we might call primary. And in that primary, there's an indestructible peace. live with awareness. May all beings listen inwardly, outwardly. May all beings see the connection. So let's have one or two quiet minutes together, please.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.